Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello, thanks so much for listening to the Hoovering podcast. I'm so grateful. I love it, especially when you tell the other people about this, but I don't have any PR, so you telling people that you like it and asking them to listen is the greatest gift you could give me, apart from cash. I'm on a site called Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash the Hoovering pod, if you've got even a spare few pennies a month, you can swap them in exchange for uh, like gifts that are related to the podcast, exclusive content, all that kind of shit really. Patreon.com forward slash the Hoovering pod. Anyway, it's not very nice to ask for money, is it? But I've done it now. Shall we get on with the podcast? This week's guest is the excellent writer, comedian and generally very, very clever egg. Viv Groscott. We met in the Riding House Cafe, which is a bit of a trendy Wendy Wankhole that we both like for breakfast. And full disclosure, there is a lot of background noise. I've forgotten how relentlessly loud it is in there, but, 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 producer Emma has done some great work lessening the background. Uh, and I used some snazzy lapel mics. I know microphones and your clothes so you can clearly hear what we're saying and I can solidly promise you that after a minute or two it sort of becomes normal and far less annoying than your immediate first impression will be so I do promise please stick with it 
Trigger warning quickly for anyone with disordered eating. We do talk a lot about yo-yo dieting in this episode. Viv is super open with me and I mean I'm clearly talking about what lunacy dieting is but it's talking about dieting nonetheless. We coined the phrase don't teach your granddad to suck a banana. I learned that Oprah Winfrey she's literally owned by Weight Watchers. And Viv recounts a stunning plane crash story. And you can hear of my childhood adventures with pickled eggs. Let's do it. I came once with my my friend, who I'm sure is your friend too. Do you know Kiri Pritchard? Oh, Kiri Pritchard McLean, yeah. I came when Rudy was about six, seven months old and we sat in that booth over there and we were chatting, he was being very good and we realised he'd leapt over the boundary into this booth. Oh my God. Yeah. Fine, everyone was fine. I had a meeting once in the Wolvesley. Now, there's another posh place. Uh, when one of my kids was about three and I had a problem with childcare and I ended up having to take them with me to yeah. this meeting. It wasn't like a really important meeting, but it was like a work meeting. And so I was kind of concentrating on the conversation and on the person. And meanwhile, the child, I'm pretty sure it's Will, so he's 14 now, so it's a while ago. He had stood up on the banquette and was tapping the person sitting next to us <laughs> who looked like someone who runs a German bank. And he was just tapping them. And I registered this, and a split second later, the German banker goes, Control your child! No! And then they called over the waiter and said... Um, this woman is not controlling her child <laughs> and that you shouldn't be allowed to bring children to a place like this and it was that horrific and I've also been oh my god I'm like I'm, I'm, an, expert on, I'm an expert on pretentious places where you can't take children yeah. I also once had to go and do an interview with an author in Bob Bob Ricard have you been there? no oh, you have to sounds go there. so posh is it good? But it's amazing Bob Bob Ricard. Bob Bob Ricard and they have a button that you press for champagne next to every table <laughs> yeah. the button says press for champagne <laughs> so I was in that restaurant I was going there and it was when I had Jack my youngest who's now seven so he was in a buggy right. and when I got there they said um, sorry no children and I said but he's asleep and he's in the buggy and he's not going to wake up and if he does I'll just drug him and uh, strap him into his seat like he's you're not going to know he's there it's going to be like what my friends used to say a noisy suitcase like a baby (laughs) is a noisy suitcase and they said no 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 sorry it's it's in our rules it's on our website no children under the age of of 12 none at all and I I don't know anyone that doesn't allow even babies yeah I'm pretty sure it's still the case actually uh, it's in case you I, press the champagne yeah, button. Exactly. <laughs> you would just find that you'd ordered Rudy 500 pounds worth all of champagne. All over. <laughs> yeah, that, that but I managed button. to sweet talk them and in the end they gave us a, a separate room. I'll go first while you're yeah, cruising. Yeah, Please might get the smashed avocado but with extra tomatoes and mushrooms. Thank you. I'm not entirely sure that this is on the menu, but can I get smoked salmon and scrambled eggs? No, with no toast. Great, thank you. And a decaf soya latte. I'm okay, thank you. I really thought about it. 
Thank you. Um, I'm embarrassed now because I've ordered a decaf soy latte and I always feel embarrassed <laughs> You've when, gone red. when those, yeah, You've when done those, a genuine when blush. When those words come out of my mouth, I feel embarrassed. I've just drunk an oat milk well, latte. I am not dairy intolerant. No. Um, I am... You I love the I love milk. Yeah. No, it's because I'm trying to be healthy and okay. I find that oh this is so weird. This is so weird, Jess. I find that if I do things like avoid dairy and avoid sugar and avoid like I've just not ordered bread. Yeah. Uh, avoid carbs, gluten, whatever. Not all the time. It reminds me to be healthy. Does that sound mad? Um, like, no, not at all. I think it's nutritionally mad. Yeah, but, nutritionally but, but, it has But ultimately, no. I think whatever you need to feel yeah, like it's you're being kind to yourself. Yeah. So whatever, you know, or I, eating well yeah. or whatever. I, I think it's, um, it's entirely psychological, but also I think it sounds actually extremely healthy in the sense that the potential madness is because potentially if you're doing it because you have read somewhere that if you have less carbs, that's good. Or if you have no gluten, that's good. Or if you, have, if you cut out a food group, that's good. But the, the, the same side of it, which sounds more like what you're doing, is that you're like, no, this is what I feel like eating or not. It's yeah. also not like well, going, yeah. I'm consciously trying to restrict things. And actually, it's like, no, I really don't want to No, eat it is things. that really. Because no, the thing is, is the thing I really, the really want to eat, and what I would have here normally yeah. if I... I'd been exercising quite a lot and I felt quite good about myself. I would have the pancakes. The pancakes here oh, they good. are amazing. Yeah. Like they do the best pancakes in London, I think. Well, but somewhere quite trendy, I felt like there was quite limited, like planty options. But actually, I really fancied avocado on toast. But then I, ha- I can't not get all the extra sides I am allowed. Right. That's fine. Um, oh, I've got so many questions, but also I'm just going to quickly take picture of these fantastic yeah. cakes but yeah no, this I cakes have, uh, for oh yeah yeah these are my contributions this is very very Hoovering. very kind wow wow look at that one with the hazelnut is that a hazelnut no oh. it's macadamia macadamia wow yeah. I okay. love Lola's cupcakes oh they're so good I was going to bake me some brownies but it's my daughter's birthday today. Oh, is it? Yeah. Are you, pulling the are you baking something for her? Um, no, I've outsourced no, that yeah. to my husband. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> but, but, but I just had like loads of things going on. And Fine. I hey. used to be so good at cooking and baking and making things. Did and you? I, yeah, yeah. When my kids were a lot younger, I seemed right. to have more time for it because I was at home more. Yeah. But now, I'm hoping. I don't many people that are working as hard as you are on as many things so I wouldn't beat yourself up mate about not making Oh I think hard. probably some coal miners are working a bit harder than I am but they probably don't beat themselves up about not making brownies No so exactly I'm not worried about it Maybe they do Can't speak for them all <laughs> um, So oh, let's start with I don't know anything about where you grew up or what your family was like growing up and eating wise with that I don't know whether you grew up with any cultural stuff going on oh my god how long have you got <laughs> so in, in theory no nothing right. in theory in theory because Just, um, what, I, grew, I grew up in Somerset, Somerset in a little place called Bruton which has become alarmingly tre- trendy like B-R-U-T-O-N oh, okay 
it's quite near Glastonbury. Oh, lovely. Okay. And since Glastonbury became a massive thing, and Babington House opened down there. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, Bruton has become like this really weird outpost for really wankery London people, such as myself, <laughs> uh, which is really weird because I left there to Come go to and London. become a wanker London yeah. person, and now I can't move for people saying. Oh, you're from Bruton. How lovely. Is it like so, Wells? Is it near it's, there? It, I did my driving test in right. Wells. Okay, I see. Uh, it's much smaller than Wells. Right. So it's a tiny little place. But my dad's from London and my grandparents, who kind of raised me because they lived very close to my parents when I was growing up, my grandparents used to run a corner shop and I used to spend a lot of time with them before they retired to the West Country. So, so exciting. Yeah. So, hang on, so you grew up with access to a corner shop? I grew up with major access to a corner shop, yeah. And my best friend at first school was called William Spickett and his parents had a corner shop and when we went for a dinner around at his house, we were allowed to pick an ice cream from Spickett's convenience stores for our pudding and it was the most exciting thing. Yeah, well, so I grew up until I was about five having the pick of the shop before they moved to Somerset. The shop was in Amersham, in Buckinghamshire. And I would get up at seven in the morning and take the delivery of the donuts from the bread man, Morris, and just eat all of the donuts. So I'm saying this with a a smile in my voice, but actually this was the beginning of misery. (laughs) Um, Because I grew up with a lot of mixed messages in my childhood. Like my grandparents, I think possibly because they'd run a shop and that whole thing of like food and community was really important to them. Because they were from that era of, you know, they ran a shop in the 50s, 60s and 70s where people would come in every day yeah. for their bread or their milk. Yeah. And they, so they knew everyone. They knew and everyone and they were sort of feeding everyone even though the people were paying them for the food. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. There's also an element though, I think, with 99.9% of grandparents where they feed, you know, they they get to be, even when they're kind of your full-time carer, they're still the decadent one with food. It's very yeah. rarely the grandparent that's... Yeah, so they used to reward me with food a lot, yeah. which obviously I loved. <laughs> um, and then I had a lot of mixed messages from my parents, because my mum's Northern Irish, right. and that is a very... I don't know what other people would think about this, but to me, it's a very messed up culture around food because it's all about oh have a piece have a piece go on go on go on yeah 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 and then oh but you're putting on a bit of weight sure you are so that's identical to the Austrian grandparent that I have right and as a result my dad so it's very and I I didn't know whether I still don't know whether that's an Austrian thing I think actually as a rule like Austrians are a very it's a very cakey country it's a big food marketplace from my adult experience on it. Very, lots of sweet food going on there, but they're relatively lean. And so I was brought up with exactly the same thing. And it's all from the Austrian side where it's feed, 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 sweet, sweet, sweet stuff, feed, feed, feed. Fat people are disgusting. Exactly. Really yeah. repulsive, <laughs> lazy pigs. Yeah. And to sne- like really sneer- vile sneering jokes, even about a kid that's overweight. Yeah, so that is that is very um, it's really confusing. difficult. It's confusing. You're almost guaranteed some disordered eating as post-puberty, I think, if you were brought yeah. up with an element of that. Well, I can remember But then almost everyone had some confusion. Yeah, I, I think generally speaking, it's quite easy to have psychological hang-ups around food. Yeah. But at least we know about it now. Yes. But I feel like in the 70s and the 80s, people didn't know about it, and no. they just said, oh, look, here's loads of cake. 
Oh no, why have you eaten it all? <laughs> now you'll be really fat. Uh, at least being realised now. I can remember going to my grandfather's funeral when I was 18 and hearing my grandmother, Irish grandmother, my mum's mum, saying to somebody, well, Vivian is a very well-built woman. Oh. I'm a well-built woman. And I was like, mm, that, you're trying to say that I'm a bit fat. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, the funny thing it was is I sort of grew up and went into my teenagehood and 20s thinking I'm a bit overweight because of these messages. And yeah. I wasn't! Yeah. You know, it's like that Nora Ephron thing of whatever age you are now, get on a bikini and get out on the beach because yeah. it's only going to get worse. <laughs> and, and yeah, but it's a valid point. Like, no one has ever... Oh, well, that's not true. It's very, it's very hard to be in the moment and actually see yourself for what you are in any moment ever because we're so trained to, to think of ourselves as not being good enough, whatever situation we are. And I think, I don't know as well, I think mainly, it's mainly the women in my lives, but we're so, we're all, we're all perfectionists, we're all ambitious, we're all bright, and it just means that whatever, whatever stage you're at in your genuine fitness, you're not. You, you'll even if you set a target of this, this muscle mass, this fat density, this weight, this oh, dress size. Even if you get to it, you'll decide there'll be something else not quite right. I, 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 oh, yeah. It's infuriating and it's yeah. cyclical and it's so unhelpful. Well, that is a long way round for me to explain why I'm drinking a decaf soda well, latte. Well, it is, but thanks. I, it was um, thorough and I loved it. at least I'm embarrassed about it. I don't think That's you should be embarrassed <laughs> about it. Also, you did say you had a coffee on the way here. If I have too much coffee, I feel sick and tired. Yeah, I have quite a high tolerance for coffee. Oh, great. <laughs> Do you think that's kids? I didn't before kids. I was that person that said, oh, I don't have afternoon coffee. And I now can, I drink I it just before a, bed. Yeah, I can have a coffee at 11 o'clock at night and be fine. Yeah, still sleep. So, yeah, but that's worrying, isn't it? No. It's like being an alcoholic. You're just always topping <laughs> up. Oh, do you think so, that like we've lost our hangover? Yeah, you're topping up. So I am having at the moment, I'm having one coffee a day. Oh, that's one very, coffee a very day. controlled. But then I have about 10 decaf lattes. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I mean, also then, then that implies that you just love the taste which is fine mm, delicious but with growing up did you do did you have like home cooked food in your house and did you do any cooking as a kid <laughs> okay uh, I just really have to hope my parents my parents are not going to listen to this I don't think they know what a podcast is so that's fine um, my mum did a lot of cooking. Like it, right? Would I describe it as home cooked food? <laughs> well, I know because I'm being hypocrite here. I love to cook. I yeah. love to cook from scratch. I hardly ever do. Right. Yeah, so yeah. my kids eat a lot of what you would have to describe as ready meals because yeah. they are ready meals like pizza or fish fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, and I don't feel too bad about this because I make sure they have loads of vegetables yeah. with it as well. And they get home-cooked meals, like, off their dad and at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in the mix, it's all good. Yeah. But when I was growing up, it was all my mum, and she was a very long-suffering but dutiful martyr who <laughs> uh, cooked every single meal with as much effort as possible. Right. But the result was not necessarily 
what you would think is, oh, this is a lovely home-cooked meal, <laughs> cooked with love and ease. So uh, that was quite fraught. Right. And I, I do feel a bit sorry for my mum looking back because whenever she would cut corners... Yeah, I've got a younger sister who's three years younger than me. Uh, whenever my mum would cut corners, so she used to sometimes serve us those frozen pies, you know, the small frozen pies. And I do hate them, they're disgusting. And they would always have one pea in them, <laughs> just one pea. And that always used to really annoy me. And so I used to bitch about these pies right. and say, oh, I can't believe you're making me eat this, mum, it's disgusting. And now I look back and I think, oh, come on, that was so mean because that was like her day off. You yeah. know, that was the day when she hadn't tried to make a lasagna. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah, she yeah. hadn't tried to make a moussaka. Something really like, fiddly it, yeah. and layered and fatsome. Yeah, and but God bless my mum. She does put on a spread. Okay, That's a, a Northern Irish thing, the right. spread. The spread, the The buffet. spread can contain some extraordinary items. And also, What's the most incongruous uh, things you've ever had in the spread? There, it could be, so you get some celery, you yeah. chop it up, you put primula cheese in it, oh, and then you put a prawn on top. <laughs> you would have a plate of those, and so you would sad. have some corn on the cobs, <laughs> and you might have some cheese and pineapple sticks somewhere around there, and then a, a bean salad, randomly, a bean salad. That's a concession to the 21st century for the yeah. vegans. Yes. A bean salad, perhaps some stuffed mushrooms, stuffed peppers, Lovely. randomly. See, look, this isn't low effort cooking. No, that's a lot this of This is high stuff. effort, yeah. especially chopping up the celery and putting yeah. all the bits of primula on it. My dad loves primula. Yeah. Funny. Maybe a, ri- a Ritz cracker with some salmon pate spread over the top Ooh. of it. Yeah. That is. Yeah. It's not low effort, but it is. Um, not very nice. Low, gastro- <laughs> low gastronomical impact. <laughs> No castronomical impact. Minus Michelin stars. It's in debt. Yeah. But I can't fault I can't fault my my mum on efforts. Yeah. Um and also, you know, my mum's very much from that uh culture. Uh she's born in the late forties. Yeah. It's important for her to be a
Did you get into it as a student? Oh, we did do catch a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we did, but it was often um, a bit of a disaster, right. and there were a lot of arguments around her. Oh, OK, the, OK. The other person who was around when I was growing up was my grandma, the okay. one who'd run the shop, and she was in retirement. And she was hilarious, because she openly hated cooking. And she just said, like, I hate cooking, I'm never going to do it. And my granddad couldn't really cook her. either. And uh, my, ma- my dad told me recently this was because my grandmother's mother lived with her for her whole life. Oh, and she just wow. did all the cooking. She just did everything. So, so when my dad you know was growing up, his grandma ran the house because my grandma ran the shop with her yeah. husband. So she never learned, really learned to cook. So, you know, we... And when there were efforts at showing you, it just ended in fallout. Yeah, or because they're not interested. I think if the passion's not there, it's yeah. not there. But there, So we would go there and we would have banana sandwiches. Uh, also, my granddad had false teeth and he didn't like to put them in. So he liked to eat food that was quite mushy, like a banana sandwich oh, on white bread with no... Just suckling, just suckling at bananas. I wonder it wasn't a happy meal time. Yeah. You're watching granddad yeah. eat a banana sandwich yeah. like, so, a, you know, like an ice lolly. I know that I now sound quite posh and I have lived in London no. for 20 years and all Dude, of that. you've just said but, salmon pate uh, yeah, on a Ritz cracker. I know. I, yeah, I did not grow up knowing what pesto was. Yeah. or knowing that pasta was a thing that people actually made by hand. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even know what pasta was, probably, apart from lasagna. Yeah. You know, so... Well, I can't remember the first time that must have dawned on me that pasta wasn't just a shard that you put, you boil. I, I still don't quite believe that people make pasta. It seems mad to I me. don't know why they bother. No, I don't know why they bother. I, I don't think I will ever bother with that. Isn't that terrible? As long as you've got Ritz crackers, why would you? Why would you? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, my family will balking at me this week because I said I used to make my own puff pastry before I had a kid but I enjoyed it if you were working from home it just meant 
a bit of faff for 20 minutes, put it back in the fridge. Oh my goodness. Look at it again in a few hours, a bit more folding and rolling. I liked it. And then you'd be able to say, I made this pastry. And even though you knew it still wasn't as good as the one you could have bought for 70p from Asper. Jess Foster Key, these words are an audition for Bake Off. I no, I don't think so. Not unless they Casually do like Casually making your own puff pastry? I think Not so. Not for the last three years, and probably never again. Almost certainly never again. In your new show, you talk about having spent lots of time in a permanent state of self-improvement, a la the likes of gurus like Oprah Winfrey. Is that in terms of eating as well? What's your take on all diets and stuff? I knew you wrote... But did you oh write something God. for the like, time? Again, like, how long have you got? Yeah, I mean, Forever. I was just looking at... Cause, yeah, the show that I'm doing at the moment yeah. called Vivalicious is all about self-improvement and the pressure to try and become your best self and yeah. whether that has ultimately a good outcome or whether it's actually quite undermining. And yeah. I'm a bit sort of finely balanced between the two depending on what time of day you ask me. Because <laughs> I love self-help and... I do think it's really yeah. positive, but I do think it can cause you to become self-obsessed and constantly find yourself wanting. Yes. Um, but I, because I, I've been looking at um, what I'm going to be doing in Edinburgh, I've been looking at loads of the covers of Oprah magazine, and I just found a cover that I'd forgotten about uh, yesterday, and it's two pictures of Oprah, yeah. one of her looking really fit and toned, and the other of her not. A before and after Yes, picture. and Jesus. she's looking at her toned self and saying, cover line, oh my God, how did I let this happen again? Oh my right? word. And that is, that is horrible. That is me. No. That is me. No. And that is actually how I feel right now. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Magic. Thank you so much. Thank you. But I looked at those pictures and I thought, oh, it just makes me, it makes me feel sad. And the work, the work I'm trying to do on myself is to let go of this cycle of horrible, unhelpful dieting, which I think... I'm coming to believe is deeply, deeply damaging. Looking at that and going, I think actually it's not just worry for her. I think I need to, I just need to unfollow her because I just don't need to be looking at that. Like that world of of those pictures of this is, I used to be like this. How did I let this happen again? Well, you probably were just enjoying your life. Yeah. And that maybe she's not meant to be tiny. Yeah. I mean, I've been back and forth with this for years, um, and I, that's one of the reasons I love Oprah, is because is she's a yo-yo dieter, and so <laughs> am I. Um, but I totally agree with everything that you're saying. You know, rationally, that's right. And I agree that, you know, dieting does ruin your metabolism, and it's one of the biggest lies and cons of the dieting industry. Well, it's extremely rare that it diets diets work obviously but they don't stay having worked because what they do is stop you what dieting culture has done over decades now if not longer is just stopped us being able to tell when we're hungry or full and if you restrict yourself smaller and smaller it's fine but it doesn't then lead you to knowing how 
I don't know. I'm still so new on. I'm so new into this era of self-help. It's another type of self-help. Trying to become an intuitive eater and leave diet culture behind. It's definitely counts yeah. as a type well, of self-help. Oprah has been a really interesting person to follow on this subject because mm. she's come full circle. You know, she, she did that thing where she dieted down to. I don't know what it would have been there. Like, I mean, I guess a, a UK size eight. Crikey. She dieted down to a UK size eight so that she could fit into a pair of Calvin Klein jeans. This right. must be like 30 years ago, right. 20, 30 years ago. And it was a massive thing on her TV programme. Right. It was a turning point in her career, actually, because it was so incredible. And mm. it was really in that culture of the time as well of, of dieting yeah. and all of that. And she pulled on a trailer of lard to depict how much weight she'd lost. Oh, my God. Right? Now, now, if that happened now, everybody would say, oh, that's really unhealthy and that's disgusting. And yeah. why are you doing that to yourself? You know, it was... It, but then it was seen as, as normal. Hugely great, So yeah. she then, she, she's written about this, and she, on that day the TV show was filmed, and she just pulled on the lard wearing her new jeans. She went backstage. Pulled and, on and, the and, lard. Yeah, dragged it on, <laughs> um, on the trailer. She went backstage and ate a whole cake. Fuck. Because she was like, yay, this is yeah. how I celebrate. And I really identify with that, because I think I've been the same of kind of, finding ways to be healthier and then rewarding myself with with cake (laughs) but then now Oprah went into this whole thing of like you've got to stop starving yourself and you've got to eat protein much more in tune with what most people think now however she also uh, in the last couple of years signed up with Weight Watchers and she is at the moment the face of Weight Watchers but they well, there's probably are, some financial incentives. Well, exactly, but they are part of this whole examination of the dieting industry. Because, like, yeah, I don't you know. Were telling, were you t- was it you telling me? Someone was telling me, thank you. Um, someone was telling me that they're trying to change their ethos a little bit in terms yeah, of. Yeah, well, then, do you, do you remember Rosemary Connolly? I, I know was the a name. I'm a big but, fan of yeah. Rosemary were Connolly you? back in the day. The F Plan. Oh, my God, That's the Fat Plan. Yeah, that's fibre. Eat lots of fibre. Oh, fibre. Fibre. It's basically just eat um, all brown the whole time. It's disgusting. Yeah, um, I can that's see how like that, a, I yeah. see what they're going for there. Exactly, 1970s thing. Mm-hmm. But Rosemary Connolly went bust. Um, Did yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago. Because the whole conversation now has changed. Yeah, so no carbs. Losing weight and. and yeah to being fit and building muscle mass yeah. and protein and dairy free and sugar free and all of that and lots of the diet companies are now having to reinvent themselves as healthy Good. eating companies which I'm sure Weight Watchers would say that that's what they're doing with Oprah mm-hmm. um, but we shall see mm, in my tongue a massive group of women and my friends are all constant yo-yo dieting and it feel like for me I've got to a point where it's got to stop and I keep getting various ways down that path and then I know that I'm not there yet because I secretly really still think about restricting and still idolise restricting and I don't it's just such a long path but because I'm at the moment listening to some amazing there's an amazing podcast called Food Psych there's another one called Life Restricted 
and through them they've recommended some books I'm going to tuck into over the summer but I'm working on it with my therapist as well that's where it sort of started but I started doing it in reaction to an acknowledgement for the first time at the start of doing this podcast that I've definitely on a spectrum of binge eating disorder but it comes with restrict 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 and then binge well this like, is a thing you yeah, know this and is it's why like, I so don't overeat yeah that's, that's what led me to you know diet and then not diet and mm-hmm. diet and not diet it's it's all really in reaction to the Ritz yeah. crackers and primula celery prawns yeah. of my childhood of all of these mixed messages and not always like the healthiest food yeah, being available yeah. and trying to just sort of start again from scratch as an adult. I mean, the, the really interesting thing is that my kids are all really healthy. Are they? Yeah, touch wood. Well touch done wood. and congratulations. They're all sort of hitting up against yeah. adolescence now and they oh. probably all go wrong and I'll be sent to prison or something for being a bad parent. But uh, my children are very healthy uh, about food. Are and they? so is my husband. My husband is really, really healthy. Is he? Uh, but I can't live with these people, Jess. I hate them. They can eat half a piece mm. of chocolate cake and leave the rest because they're, they're, they're full. These people are not normal. Yeah, yeah, so that's been really interesting for me is to live with people who can say, oh, no, I don't want another chocolate cake, yeah, so I've yeah. had enough. What? You're seven. <laughs> um, well, because we're born with that intuition. And yeah. if you nurture it, which you obviously have... But to so, just go with what you fancy and yeah, what you're, when you're hungry and when you're I full, then I've you'll had, have these healthy yeah, people. I think we I've should had, be inspired, yeah. which we learn actually. Having seen your show already, Viv, it's all about being inspired by your genius children. Well, they are far better human beings than I am, that's for sure. Give them time. But I think I've had the awareness about my own issues enough, so... Yeah. They might see me occasionally eating two pieces of chocolate cake, but I won't comment on it. I won't say, oh, no, I mustn't have another piece of chocolate cake. Oh, go on, then I will. Like, I'm I'm careful not to do that. Like, I just do what I want to do. I've tried as they've got older to model more and more healthy behaviour, but... I think they've already realised that my behaviour is not suitable to model and they just discount me and model my husband's <laughs> behaviour instead. <laughs> 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 it's the funniest thing anyone's ever It's true. It's that's great. That's all right. Yeah. Perfect. God, I can't tell which one. I dread the thought of my son modelling Mikey or me <laughs> in so many ways. Say scrum diddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. I feel like I need to give a shout out to this brunch because it's really nice. It's really good. I hate avocado. Oh, do you? But aside from that, I think you chose a very beautiful option. Do you like it? Yeah, the tomato's really nice. Big but overly it is basically one. some mushrooms and tomato, yeah. a piece yeah. of bread and some mashed up avocado that's probably going to cost about £18. But they've put some nice spicy dust. Oh, I can't remember. they put something snazzy on top of this avocado and there's like lovely, I think, coriander all chopped up into it and loads of citrus. That's good. Oh, mine Big is, intim- mine's good. Mine is the perfect scrambled egg. Mm-hmm. So it's buttery, yeah, it's, it's got chives. Mm. It's got the perfect consistency and a very simple but obviously expensive and not fatty smoked salmon. Lush. Good. I bloody love smoked salmon. Mm. 
Breakfast of Champions. Five second rule, yes or no? What, dropping food on the floor? Yes. Oh, of course. Great. So ten seconds, much more. <laughs> no, I mean, come on, you have to expose yourself to germs, otherwise you'll die. Yeah, I agree absolutely thoroughly. The variety of responses I've had to that question, Viv, would boggle you. I mean, obviously, if it's a household where there's a dog and there's dog hair all over the floor and it's a butter side down toast yeah. landing, no. No. Viv. But that's not the second rule, it's the contact with the dog hair. Yes. No, just any old floor. Please. Right. Have you ever craved anything strangely specific? Mm. What was eating like when you were pregnant? Mm. They're separate questions, by the way. Oh, I think I, cravings I became hit any time. A gigantic whale when I was pregnant. <laughs> I, I became. Was I put on. I think. Don't know actually. I didn't weigh myself after the fact. I think about four stone at that time. Yeah, I think I did too. I slightly regret my eating in my pregnancy, right. actually. Although that's maybe mean on myself because mm. my kids were fine. But I did for good or bad sort of give myself permission to overeat and eat whatever I wanted yeah but unfortunately whatever I wanted was always biscuits mm. or magnums yeah a lot of magnums magnums are the best uh, and have you got a favourite uh, type of magnum Pacino. Uh, probably anything with almonds in it I like mm, the, the almond yeah, ones are best ones, yeah so I slightly regret that now I was really uninformed actually in my pregnancies because right. my, my youngest is seven and I'd say it's only really in the last five years that everyone started talking about protein and right. all of that. I've only really found, I didn't do biology GCSE, I've only found out about these things, or maybe it's chemistry, I don't even know, in the last five years. Mm. So when I was eating and I was pregnant, I didn't really know anything about nutrition. So I just ate um, chocolate digestives mostly. Lovely. Yeah. Cravings, I... Always remember when I was a child, I was told that my auntie Lynn had a craving for pickled onions during her pregnancy, <laughs> and one day she ate so many that it made the baby come. <laughs> so I was always wary of pregnancy craving. <laughs> very farty, yeah. I snorted. Yeah. And you get very bad. I don't remember having weird, weird cravings, no. God, you know, I think pickled onions is one of those things I had a oddly loved as a teenager. I love like really onions. strong flavour. But now I would never think to have a pickled onion outside of Christmas. Mm. But then I would, and the stronger the better. The thing that I've discovered from my husband's family mm. is the pickled walnut. Whoa. I didn't even know that existed. No. That on their Christmas from? dinner, they have pickled onions and pickled walnuts. Ooh. And people pickle their own walnuts. They pickle their own bloody walnuts. Yeah. Um, I have confessed on a former podcast, but I'm not very good at saying the words. Walnut. Oh, that was perfect. Well yeah. done. Thank you. But we won't talk any more about that because I can't really join in <laughs> without a lot of effort. <laughs> There's the um, clincher, pickled egg, yes or no? Oh, no, pickled eggs disgusting. <laughs> oh, no, your no, hand went up. No. Oh, no. No, and I don't, oh, you I don't understand why they have those in a chip shop. Yeah, who wants a fish and egg? I have to say, I don't think I've ever actually tried a pickled egg. Oh, I, I um, mean, I secretly love them. It's a filthy... Do you? Maybe I should try one, because I'm, I'm very against being repulsed by food 
yeah. when you haven't tried it. Yes, of course. But I've contradicted myself there with the pickled egg because I haven't actually tried it. Well, the thought of something's allowed to repulse you as yeah. an adult who knows what she likes and doesn't. I think it's seeing that jar. Yes. Yeah. Of just Especially, awe. you know, when you're really little and you go in the fish and chip shop and you can't see anything because everything's above your head height yeah. and all you can see is the jar up on the wall of pickled eggs. It's so true, but also do you wonder whether we're influenced by like children's stories with Frankenstein and like the idea of scientists with brains totally. in jars and yeah. eyeballs in jars? It looks, like it looks exactly experiment. like that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, There's the onions and the eggs all pickled yeah. in there. It's like, and here are the little children that we killed and put in a jar. <laughs> would you Terrifying. like to have one with your chips? I had a friend called Haley when I was growing up in Swanage and we would, it was 25p for a pickled egg and then we'd scrape together 50p and go and get two pickled eggs, sprinkle a bit of salt on them and then walk along chomping our egg. And it, it was before we realised that, I think this is it sort of a coming of age thing, we realised that eggs are a bit embarrassing because they're smelly. Eggs aren't a cool food. And then you get grown up enough to be like, no, eggs are just delicious, mate. Just own it. Own a love of eggs. Yeah. I say this as someone who is meant to be flirting with veganism. Less and less so as life goes oh, on. But I think that's one of the hardest things about veganism is well, eggs. Oh, really? Well, you can be oh, a yeah. vegan. Oh, they eat eggs? Yeah. Oh, I've learned and something so, today. Also, I've completely stopped identifying in any way as even a flirter of veganism because despite having a mainly planty nine days out of ten, I do not count as one now because I am actively seeking out the best possible when I know it's come from somewhere amazing I'm having eggs and fish oh and but really you do you not eat meat at all no I don't think I will well I, I want to leave that door open so if I travel to somewhere say I get to travel to a part of the world I've never been to before and what they make is this whatever chicken whatever I want to taste that when was the last time you had meat a long time ago now. Oh, right. Like Definitely years. Kind of, years. Um, coming up for plural. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I'm going to try and get my head around now is if I'm going to try and not restrict and be really intuitive and stop when I'm full and think about what it tastes like when I'm eating it and blah, 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 then um, can I still have restrictions when it comes to all that stuff? My logic, and if there's any food psychologist listening who might correct me I'm open to it but my logic is if I don't want to eat meat because of everything I'm reading about and the ethics and climate change and everything like that and what happens in a slaughterhouse etc generally not even a big even a friendly farm version of one then then I'm not eating because I don't want to eat it so that's fine but if it's a kind of restricting that's got any that I'm doing in any way for because it's an idea of what would be make me fat or then I need to have do you think an eye on it. But I love eggs and fish might, is so good for you. Do you think we might be overthinking? Yeah, I think we <laughs> definitely are. So overthinking it. But like, so I was in Devon yesterday and uh, we, when we were driving back to my mum's we stopped at a farm shop and so I just bought like 18 eggs from the farm. And I was, so, I, so I stock up every time. Egg Every time at an ethical egg shop. I you're get a month's load of eggs in. You're a vegan in. or a vegan. You're an egg. No, I'm an egg. You have a purely egg-based diet. I'm a, and I eat fish, so I'm vegan. <laughs> <laughs> so pescatarian. I'm just, I think we could round it up as wanker. Yeah, well, we all are nowadays. Just a modern wanker. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
there's nothing else left in the world, would you eat a person? Oh my God, such a good question. Um, okay, I've got a good answer to this, right? Great. Because I went to this event about a year ago yeah. where I was sat talking next to this man from, I've got to now remember which country he's, Uruguay, from Uruguay. Wow. And I was talking away at this dinner, oh, nice to meet you. He was in his 60s. Um, we were both speaking at this event and I'd already done my speaking and he was doing his the next day. And I said, what are you speaking about tomorrow? And he said, oh, don't worry about that now. I'll, I'll, you'll find out tomorrow. All right, let's just talk about life. And so we talked about our kids and, and I was thinking... I just have no information about Uruguay. I can't ask. Yeah. But I knew, I knew something about Uruguay, but I couldn't remember what it was. Great hamsters. So, the next day, he gives his talk. He turns out to be one of the survivors of the 1970s Uruguayan plane crash in the Andes from the Uruguayan youth football team. He was the captain of the team, age 18 where they were trapped in the mountains. No one knew they were there, and they had to eat the survivors of the crash. So I'd spent the night before talking to a cannibal without realising. It was completely fascinating. No wonder he didn't want to have dinner telling that he'd eaten his mates. Before I met him, I would have said, oh, no, of course I would never do that. I would rather die, blah, blah, blah. But having met him... Um, he's thriving on it. <laughs> he's and heard his amazing talk. He's one of the best speakers in the world. Oh, really? He's incredible. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, I, can't remember. I, well, I can't remember his name. He's written a book about yeah. it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he's incredible. And you do realise that if the circumstances are such... You have no choice. Yeah. You literally have Your no choice. Your survival instincts will take over. And he also, was... just general hunger can make you mad. Yeah, exactly. And he was the captain of this football team. I can't, I'm, I'm sorry, football fans, if it's actually rugby. <laughs> he was the captain of the sporting team. I'm pretty sure it was football. And so even as, a, as an 18-year-old, he felt he needed to take responsibility for everybody else because they're about half of them had died, half of them had survived, and he knew that the longer they didn't eat any meat, yeah. the more likely it would be that more of them would die, and he felt like it was on him. So they... Oh, I won't go into what they did, but um, yeah, they yeah, did yeah. it in a fairly... I'm not trying to defend it No, here, I want to read the book. Yeah, I'm desperately they, keen to read They it. did it in a fairly controlled and not disgusting way. I mean, it's not like one of those kind of Simpsons cartoons where they're, like, roasting bits of people, oh, but Jesus. they... Yeah, they, they like air dried the flesh and oh. yeah, sorry. Good job we finished eating. Yeah, so um, uh, I'm open minded about uh, about yeah. things like that. Fucking cool answer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So now, if you do meet somebody from Uruguay, yeah. you'll know why that country rings a bell. <laughs> Famous for cannibalism. Incredible. I'm in my tongue. Just quickly, have you ever had like a holiday or a trip, not like the Uruguay one, but where you particularly remember that remember the, uh, it because of an eating event or a type of food? Uh, yeah, easy, easy to answer. And if we had have been doing this at home, this is what I would have cooked for you. 
Georgian food, so Ooh. from Soviet Georgia, so the country of Georgia as opposed to yes. Georgia, America, as opposed to the Georgian period in England. So I once went to, um, I went on a photo shoot where a load of Georgian people that I knew were cooking their amazing food, yeah, yeah. and the photographer turned up with all these Regency props because he thought it was that oh. kind of Georgian food. <laughs> anyway, That's hilarious. So, yeah, Georgia, Tbilisi, Batumi, you know, it's the country where Stalin comes mm-hmm. from. And in the Soviet period, Georgia was like the Italy of Russia. Oh, so wow. They are the fun foodie, ones. McFoodie, yeah, yeah. Foodie, fun, good-looking, sexy. Nice. Hospitable, friendly, good yeah. time. You know, good time with the Georgians. And I lived in Russia in the early 90s and uh, travelled back and forth a lot through the 90s. And I have so many memories of eating these amazing Georgian feasts. Oh, really? And, what kind of thing? Oh, the food is really heavily based on your friend, the walnut. Mm. Yeah, loads of walnuts, loads of pomegranates, mm. loads of coriander, tarragon, dill, very, very um, herb, herby kind okay. of cooking. And very simple grilled meats, grilled fish, grilled vegetables. It's kind of a barbecue culture. And then they have lots of other influences that have come from, thank you, the other nearby republics like Azerbaijan or Armenia, where they would have things like pilaf, which could be like a rice with apricots and walnuts. Uh, So it's almost like a cross between Persian, Turkish... Uh, a bit of Greek influence. It's that sort of oh, hybrid, spicy basically, Mediterranean. Of, yeah, yeah okay. um, but, but very much with its own taste and its own spin. And they have loads of things as well that they don't have in other cultures, like they have this spice called um, sumeli chameli, which is, isn't that great? Sumeli chameli. Sumeli chameli. And people have their own blend of it that they make, but it has about 30 different like spices Razel, in it. Like Razel Hanouk Morocco. Yeah, yeah, like that stuff. kind of thing, yeah. Wow, smelly canelli. Smelly canelli. And then they have this incredible bread, which if you want a recipe for it, there is a recipe in Nigella Lawson's Feast. Okay. Because Nigella Lawson's got a whole section in Feast about Georgian food. Wow. Which includes some walnutty bits. Um, but the main thing I would say to look up is Hachapuri. K-H-A-C-H-A-P-U-R-I, Khachapuri, which is a Georgian cheese bread, which is basically cheese and pizza. And they have special cheese that they use for that that you can't buy in the UK. And they have all these theories about whether you should mix mozzarella and feta to make it like that cheese. I want us to do a TV show together where we go to Georgia and eat. It's just... I. They call it the best cuisine in the world yeah. and this is God's country and all of that. And it is. Yeah. It is absolutely amazing. And they also, they genuinely do have this very hospitable culture where if you're at a dinner with more than a few people, you have to give a toast. Yeah. Everybody has to give a toast. And there's a tamada, the toastmaster, who leads all of this. And it's, a, it's a lovely culture. And when you have a big spread, like this is like the version of my mum's spread, I suppose, that I always really wanted. Instead of having Ritz crackers, there's this, you know, Sumeli Canelli. As the plates come on the table, you just pile them all on top of each other. Oh, nobody ever takes any plates away. Yeah. 
they just keep coming and piling and piling on top. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I really recommend it. There's quite a few Georgian restaurants in London. There's one called Little Georgia that's really good, and she's got a good cookbook. Right. Um, Her name's uh, Tiko Tsukvadze. They have really weird names in Georgia. Tiko Tsukvadze. And, yeah, I don't know where else there are good Georgian restaurants outside of Georgia and Russia, but, yeah, recommended. delicious. They find another earth, one which is as yet untapped and spoilt by the greed and horror born out of survivalism of humankind, and it is perfect, like heaven, but real. Aliens have found it at exactly the same time. They're really lovely aliens, and they have said that they're willing to share it exactly down the middle with us. They're beautiful, these aliens, like imagine Swedish people, but only, only will they share it with us if you, Viv, do seven Zumba classes on the bounce dressed in pleather. No problem. You do it. No problem. Yeah, I, I would actually probably quite like to do seven this Zumba classes perfect. on the bounce in pleather. I bloody love Zumba. That's a, like I an, love but Zumba. But that's an Oprah-style fitness challenge <laughs> that I would embrace. I love that. I also love this scenario. My son, who's 14, is obsessed with Star Trek. Okay. And this is a very great. Star Trek kind Star of Trek's, scenario. The ideas where are so the aliens right. are actually yeah. really nice. Of course. Yeah. Um, like and you do it. You're yeah. a hero, but obviously you're exhausted. You're allowed to shower or whatever you need to feel human. And your award in your victory is a feast of your dreams. Uh, nothing in this answer needs to be practical, reasonable, possible, um, or even kind of non fictional. You can make it up entirely. It's just your idea of ultimate perfection. I want to know what you're eating, drinking, who with, and where. So this is a kind of a death row meal question. But in much really. more positive terms. Um, so... Without, without imminent death looming over you. Part of me wants to say Georgian food. Yeah. But the true part of me is... It's probably actually what I cooked for my 40th birthday, uh, which was with my family and... A small group of friends. I love parties and I love people, but I prefer to be with a small group of people that I know really, really well. And for that, I cooked. It was five years ago. So, was the brioche bun fashionable then, or did I get something that was harking forward to the brioche bun? I'm not sure. Um, what I'm saying <laughs> is, you. I love a brioche bun. Um, so, you get a brioche bun or something similar, toast it. And you've got homemade hamburger. So homemade hamburger with top quality, ideally home minced, ideally. Um, Yeah, make your own really nice hamburgers. I would use a recipe from Feast, Nigella. I love Nigella. And um, do the whole thing with resting it in foil and putting cheese on top of it and resting that in foil. Um, I would get some of those boxes of... Marks and Spencer's Bistro Fries. Nice. nice. I love those. Nice. I've never tried um, them. And mayonnaise. Okay. Chips and mayonnaise mm. and a homemade burger. Homemade mayonnaise? Uh, no. God, no. Oh, are you mad? I love homemade mayonnaise. Yes, thank you. Um, I, sh- I love homemade mayonnaise. I wouldn't have a clue of how to make it. No, Hellman's mayonnaise. And that's it, actually. Yeah. That is it. Gorgeous. Yeah. With just, your closest family and closest yeah, friends and, uh, at your and, home. And just champagne. To and drink. some champagne yeah. to drink. Or, where button you could press to get it. Yes. But with your children allowed to be with you. Absolutely. Sounds ideal. Yeah. <laughs>
thank you so much to the excellent Viv Groskop. She is a winner. Her show, if you're up at the Edinburgh Festival, is called Vivalicious. If you're at the festival, it's at the Underbelly every day till the 26th of August. And I'm sure she'll do stuff with it after the festival if you're nowhere near Scotland this summer. Her latest book is amazing. It's about the Russian classics and it's funny and fascinating, even if you're an absolute doofus at reading Russian books like me. It's called The Anna Karenina Fix. I've put a link to it in the podcast notes, but... I mean, just check it out on Amazon. It's so good. It's so good. Anyway, she's on Twitter and Insta as at Viv Groskop, G-R-O-S-K-O-P. Follow her to bits. I'm on all the socials as well. The podcast is at The Hoovering Pod and I personally am at Jessica Q. Follow us. Follow us all. Shout about the podcast. Tell everyone about it. If you've got any spare wedge, go to Patreon and swap your pennies for great, great presents from me. But mainly, please just rate, review and subscribe and spread the word about this podcast and help me keep it going. Great guns. If you'd like to email me, you can do that through my website, jessicafosterq.com. I love it so much when you get in touch. Hoovering was produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.